You're listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast, where we'll talk about all aspects of buying apartment buildings with a special focus on raising money from others. And now, your hosts, Michael Block. Today, we have a very special episode of the Apartment Building Investing Podcast. In fact, it is episode number 200, 200 weekly episodes. And we started this in 2014, and we've uh, kept up to it. It's a, it's a huge commitment, but I really enjoy it. And I want to thank all of you guys for listening. Uh, not only do we have 200 episodes, but we're now consistently ranked in the top 100 investing podcasts on iTunes. I just checked and we're at 50. And uh, we have 1.9 million downloads since inception. And so I want to thank you all for being such loyal listeners. So this episode is is for you guys. What I wanted to do is I want to take the, the highlights from the year 2019 and kind of put them all together in one little package. So I got a real treat for you guys today. I picked some of my my top guests. We had a lot of fantastic guests, and uh, but I picked about six of them that I really enjoyed, and we're going to give you the highlights from what they taught on those shows. We have Ken McElroy. Uh, we got some highlights from Robert Helms, the real estate guys, Kai Wilson, master marketing mentor of mine, Robert Kiyosaki, of course, who probably affected your life at least as much as mine author and speaker Hal Elrod, who keynoted Dealmaker Live, and Grant Cardone, who I interviewed recently as well. So we're gonna, I'm going to kind of give you the highlight reels. Uh, we spend quite a bit of time going through the archives and picking out the best snippets from these interviews. So we're going to replay those, and I'm going to kind of do my, my, you know, my editorial throughout these things between these cuts. And at the end, we're going to have an amazing giveaway in celebration of the 200th episode. And as I thank you for being such loyal listeners. I really appreciate you guys. So with that being said, let's get started with our first guest that we had and earlier in 2019, uh, Mr. Ken McElroy. He's a best-selling author of the ABCs of Real Estate Investing. He's also Rich Dad Advisor to for Real Estate for Robert Kiyosaki. I had the great pleasure for interviewing him in person in his office in Scottsdale. And I asked him a bunch of questions, but the one I really want to know about is what is his definition of success? How has that changed over the years? And what does financial freedom mean to him? So here's what he had to say. Now, I heard you say that uh, your goal at the time was to be your own boss, but you did not necessarily equate that with financial freedom. Were the two things different? And if so, what right. is your definition? Well, of it's interesting. Freedom? Like, honestly, at that point, I was in my early 20s. And, you know, you don't really have a lot of expenses. Let's just face it. And you're pretty mobile. You know what I mean? Maybe you have a car expense. You have some living expenses. And you have rent maybe or a mortgage, but generally not too much. And so I was just trying to solve that. What I was making was a lot more, but I was just trying to solve to something that would cover my monthly expenses and so that I didn't have to dip into my savings. So essentially that was it. So it was very, very simple, you know? And so for me, that was financial freedom. And actually, it kind of is, you know, when you have enough rental income from a business to cover your expenses, that's kind of financial freedom. The problem is, is that your expenses get bigger and bigger over time, right? Yeah. I want more things. I want a bigger house or move here or move there or whatever. You know, start a family and, you know, things start becoming bigger on the expense side. So I had to have a business that was scalable. Right. Which it was in, yeah. in, in real estate as well. Yeah, which I was lucky. Now, so how does your definition, how did your definition of success change over the years? For me, it changes. Like 10 years ago, I wanted something. And then all of a sudden, you're like, wow, that, that wasn't very, maybe a mature way of well, thinking. And, 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 and I, how was that think, for you? I don't think it were unusual there, though. Like, I think, honestly, when I was in college, my definition of success was 
getting a job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. And I think it changes. Then it's finding, you know, a relationship and maybe it's finding a good job or maybe it's finding something that you really enjoy because that could be different. You can have a job that you don't enjoy and a job that you do enjoy. And so there's all kinds of things in there. And then I think at some point, maybe in my 30s, it turned more to money. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I had this million dollar number in my head. You know, I want to be a millionaire. Uh, don't know why, but maybe something I read, but at the time. And so that was kind of my first financial goal. And I thought at the time that was success. But now I look back and I see that it really wasn't. I mean, it was successful. It was a great life event. But now I feel like it's relationships and my family and my kids and and those kinds of things. So that's where I'm focused now is building and keeping those relationships. I also asked Ken about what he feels his purpose and mission in life is because, look, he's a very accomplished guy. He drives a Ferrari. He can do anything he wants, right? Why does he still get out of bed? Like, what gets him out of bed in the morning? And I asked him this question. I also got a clue. He just put out a new book, which I recommend you guys pick up. It just came out. It's called Return to Orchard Canyon. And it's cool, this book, because it has business concepts, but it's actually written in the form of a, a fiction novel. And it's really, really well done. I just got done reading it. So pick that up, a new book from Ken McElroy called Return to Orchard Canyon. And it's really, really cool because it does talk a lot about purpose and mission. So when I asked him about it, here's what he had to say. So now you're a pretty successful guy. I mean, you could do a variety of things with your life and your time. You could probably just quit if you wanted to. But what makes you get up in the morning? Well, I think what people need to consider when they're working or when they're not working is what I would consider to be a sense of purpose, whatever that might be. And I, I don't think people consider that enough. So in other words, it's true. I could walk away from this company and I could do things and I would be unfulfilled. You know what I mean? I would be financially free. I don't feel like I would be really contributing in any way, anywhere. So, but doesn't necessarily mean I have to do it financially. I could do it anywhere. We just got back from an orphanage in Tanzania. My son was really, I brought him. We climbed Kilimanjaro in June. We did a, well, this mission trip before. And when we got back, he didn't really say much about it. I mean, we did the orphanage, we did the climb, and then we did safari and we came back. And then last week he said, I think I want to fly back there and, and work there for two weeks. Wow. Just so he, out of the blue. So he kind of internalized it, didn't get a reaction. Oh, yeah. But it's something. Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. so to him, that's his sense of purpose, right? So we'll send him back there next summer to work at this orphanage for two weeks. And so I think that it comes to different people, different ways. And for him, that's it. You know what I mean? And for other people, it's other things. And so... I mean, as you know, I have good friends, Josh and Lisa Lannan, who've turned their entire business model into, um, you know, helping and healing PTSD, you know, mm. and uh, they bought a big ranch in Texas. And so they have a ranch and they're solving this problem, but they're making money at the same time. You know what I mean? So you can do things that solve a purpose and make money at the same time. So that's, I think, where it goes. It's super boring to sit on a beach, retire and sit on a beach, or travel around and just go look at stuff and spend money, in yeah. my opinion. You got a mission. You need a mission. In you life. do. You mm -hmm. need some kind of mission, some kind of purpose, I think. Yeah. 
And speaking of missions, another favorite episode of mine was with Robert Helms, episode 156. Robert Helms was one of the two real estate guys, and I had a pleasure of having him on the podcast. And I asked him about mission. And as you notice, the theme of mission is actually really important and it goes back to what is your why? And it's also going back to this be, do, have concept that I talked about with Ken McElroy. It's super important that we focus on the be. And most of the time, we just focus on the do and the have. I do a bunch of stuff so I can have a bunch of stuff. But really, we all don't really tend to pay attention to the B part. And if you're listening to some of these very accomplished people, they really spend an inordinate amount of time on the B part. And the mission is a real key component of that. So here's what Robert had to say about the mission that he has in the real estate guys. And I just love what you guys do at, at the real estate guys. I mean, you're, you're constantly, you know, raising the collective awareness and, and your tagline is education for effective action. Can you talk a little bit more about what, what you feel like your mission is? Yeah. So, you know, we've had that um, as our motto for a long time. And the premise is pretty simple that if you just learn stuff and don't do anything with it, what good is it? You have to put your, your education to work. And that's why I appreciate people that are doing the thing, right? They're out there and they're in the markets and they're finding properties and they're putting deals together. And that's what it takes to make the economy go. But what we really do with the real estate guys, I think, is create community and collapse timeframes. If something took me 10 years to learn and I can show someone how to do it in a year, well, more sooner is better. So collapsing timeframes comes when you work together and there's a lot of brains in the room. It's my favorite thing about the summit. And I, I totally concur that it was much more optimistic than it was pessimistic. Even though we talked about some really tough stuff and you know some challenges that may be in the road ahead for us, you know when people come together and will share wisdom and ideas and opportunities, then you know watch out, great things can happen. And that was the collaborative environment I think we created. Folks to come in this year, we were about a, a half and half of returnees like yourself and brand new people that have never been, and yet. Pretty quickly, they all integrated. We're part of the conversations. Very, you saw very people standing back with their arms crossed. People were getting in conversations. They were engaged. They were concerned. But I think they left with a, a reassurance of, of some level. I think the reassurance isn't necessarily where the economy is. I think the reassurance is, I know, come what may, I've got people that I can call, people I can talk to, people I can bounce ideas off of that are at least growing kind of in the same direction. So I really love the real estate guys. In fact, I attend a lot of their events throughout the year, and you can kind of see what's coming up at themichaelblank.com forward slash guys. And uh, I kind of put on there which events I go to. I've gone to their syndication event, just attended their goal-setting retreat, Create Your Future in Lake Las Vegas. I took my wife there. Fantastic event. And uh, also every single year we go on their cruise, which is coming up in June, July. We'll be taking the family for that as well. So really love the tribe that they've built and the real sky themselves. And so check them out. Go to michaelblank.com forward slash guys and see what they have coming up. And I'll probably be at most of them. So moving, <laughs> moving right along, I also asked Robert, hey, what is his you know, secret to, to being successful as a real estate investor in life? And this is what he had to say. I think the thing is just to make sure that you are one step ahead of everybody else. It doesn't take that much. You don't have to go get a master's degree in, in economics. You just have to pay attention to more than just apartments, to more than just real estate. Make sure you're understanding some of the economic realities and understand that our economy is different than the foundation of our financial system. We're in a debt-driven system. If you don't understand it, there's great resources out there. The future of money and wealth is one, and there's lots of places you can go to get your head around this stuff. I, I think that what hurt us the last time around when there was trouble was we were just complacent. 
were like, yeah, none of that matters to me because I'm just a real estate guy. Well, when you're a real estate guy or gal, you are swimming in this ocean of everything else that's happening. And for those of us that raise capital, I know a lot of your students do that. Well, we really better know the other opportunities for people with capital to be in. Because if I can't articulate what the difference is between, say, a private placement and an apartment and what a mutual fund is and why it would make sense to consider investing in Main Street over Wall Street, then I'm at a loss. So you need to understand it in your own portfolio. And then if you're raising capital, even that much more. So it doesn't take that much. You know, I always commend people that are listening to podcasts and putting good ideas into their brain because that's the first step. Just make sure if there's anything you're unclear about, there's no such thing as a bad question. You can seek out the answers and you'll never be worse off for being more educated about these things. And I got a chance to interview my mentor, hero, idol, Robert Kiyosaki, right? So he ranks like number two just behind the good Lord himself, really. And as like for many of you, that little purple book changed my life uh, first in a very bad way since I lost my software IPO millions in the restaurant business and clawed my way back with real estate. My goals were correct, but my approach was all wrong. Nevertheless, it made an impact to me and, and almost everyone I talked to that little purple book. And so I had a chance to interview Robert in person, actually, on the Real Estate Guys Cruise Summit at Sea, which was a real privilege. But I noticed as he was speaking, he was actually using quite a bit of spiritual language. Now, if you've seen heard him speak before, he can be a little rough around the edges. It's not really rated G language, but it was very odd to hear him speak like that. So on the interview, I asked him about why he did that. Here's what he said. Well, contrary to popular belief, um, the military is a very spiritual organization, at least the Marine Corps is. And today we have the Navy SEALs. You know, the best of the best are spiritual organizations. And there's weaker organizations in the military, as you know. But the higher level a person gets in as far as combat goes, the more the closer you come to the inevitable, life and death. So when I left high school in 1965, I got appointments to Naval Academy and Merchant Marine Academy in New York. And the academies, military service academies, all start with one word, the mission. What is your mission? And that's the word missionaries come from that. So there's missionaries of God and there's missionaries of the military. And so the first word I learned at U.S. Merchant Marine Academy was the mission. And that's spiritual. In the Marine Corps, it's what's the mission. So I went into the military. I went to Kings Point for four years and then five years of the Marine Corps flying in Vietnam. And I came, finally came out into the real world, you know, as a civilian. And I found out there really is no mission but to accept to make money. You know, screw them before they screw you. And a lot of companies talk about mission and all that, but I really haven't seen many that had the mission capabilities or the culture of the U.S. Marine Corps but also while I was in Vietnam, I kind of had a run-in in a good way with the first Navy, U.S. Navy SEALs I ever saw. And those Navy SEALs run on the spirituality of what's their mission. And a lot of people think it's about God and service and country. It's not even that high. The mission is to bring your fellow man home, you know, give your life so the other, other guy can live. I have not found that in the business world. Everybody's every dog eat dog, every man for himself, we're buddies, hey, you know, we're, we're, here to, we're here to make money together, but nobody's here to give their life for somebody else. So that's why what I probably said to you, I'm a Marine, 
I don't think there's too many people in business willing to give their life for somebody else, but they will rob, cheat, steal, and rape for money, you know, which is quite the antithesis of mission. So anyway, I learned my, my spiritual discipline came in the U.S. Marine Corps, really, when I, uh, as I talk about, I crashed three times as a pilot, and you get pretty close to God when you're crashing, and you get to realize that, you know, it's, not, it's the boundary of life and death that gets you in touch with God. So anyway, I'm not, not really religious, but that's, that's where mission comes from. And I am very happy to be with the real estate guys, crews, and happy to meet guys like you, because our mission is to educate. And unfortunately, our academic system, the school teachers, that's not their mission. Their mission is to make money. Now, Robert put out a new book this year called Fake Money. So I would be amiss to not ask him about that. And I wanted to know, what the heck is fake money? Here's what he said to that. Fake money was... In 1971, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard on October 15, 1971. During the TV show Bonanza, Nixon comes on and says, hey, guess what, sports fans? U.S. dollars coming off the gold standard. Well, nobody cared. They just wanted to watch Bonanza. That was his big announcement. Nobody knew. So in 1972, I'm flying in Vietnam. And I say, I wonder what gold looks like. It's kind of hard to imagine this. In 1971 and two, it was illegal for Americans to own gold. So being a curious mind, I said, why is it illegal for us to own gold? And what does gold look like? Because I didn't know what it looked like. None of us could own it because we went to jail if we owned gold. Mm. They would confiscate it from us. So I decided I'd go find what gold was. So the book Fake starts with me flying behind enemy lines because the lines had shifted. What was once American lines was now behind enemy lines. We're losing the war. We all knew we had lost, you know. And I go behind the lines and I find this little woman selling gold for, for the Vietnamese gold mine. So I had to park my helicopter. We disarmed. We showed the villagers we were unarmed. We came in with hands up. We said we came as capitalists, not Marines. I just came to buy some gold, you know. So we go to the mining store, and I thought because it was behind enemy lines, I could get a discount. <laughs> so I, let's say let's say that day gold was gold was thirty five an ounce, but now it was about fifty bucks an ounce. So I thought I could get it for maybe forty, you know, ten dollar discount. And this little old lady with red red teeth, because she ate betel nuts, you know, they all had red teeth. She just cracked up. She says, "You want a discount?" I said, lady, you're behind enemy lines, and I got U.S. dollars. She says, yeah, but I got gold. And I went, well, who do you think you are? And she looked at me, who do you think you are? Yeah, it was just silent communication. And she turned out to be one of my best teachers in my whole life. She taught me something important. Gold is money. All over the world, gold is gold. That day, all over the world, the spot price was, say, 50 bucks. You know, today it's about $1,300. I learned such valuable lessons. With people. I don't think she went to Harvard or Oxford. You know, she was a little Vietnamese peasant, but she knew what gold was. So my book, Fake, starts off with those three kinds of money today. There's God's money, gold and silver. Okay? And I go into why it's God's money. The second is government money, which is fiat currency, U.S. dollar, the yen, the peso, the yuan, and the euro. It's fake money government money. And the third is people's money now, Bitcoin and, you know, those things. 
So we have a lot of choices in money. My prediction is the U.S. dollar cannot last much longer, and that's reflected in the price of gold. See, when I bought my first ounce of gold, I paid about $50 for it in Hong Kong because it was illegal. Today, that same, I still have that same Kruger, and I bought it in Hong Kong in 1972. It's worth about $1,500. Now, did gold get more valuable or did the dollar come down in value? Wow, this next episode is with Hal Elrod, episode 165. And my gosh, I'm trying to narrow it down to a couple of nuggets for each of these interviews, but there's so many in this one. You're really going to have to listen to the whole thing if you haven't done it already. It's episode 165 with Hal Elrod, author of The Miracle Morning, which made a big difference for me in my life. And it's a, it's a discipline of how you start your day early in the morning, what you do in that first 60 minutes, how you structure that. That's what The Miracle Morning is all about. But what I found really fascinating on my interview with Hal is that he had just written a new book called The Miracle Equation, and it really, really changes the way that you set goals. And I, you know, since then, when I'm talking, when I put out my other episode around goal setting at the end of December, it was really in that light. And so I wanted to ask him what the purpose of a goal is. So listen to this uh, clip now. So the purpose of a goal, most of us mistakenly view this as this black and white succeed or fail mentality, right? I set a goal in order to hit it. And if I don't hit it, either I am a failure or I have failed, right? And what that does is it, it causes most of us to keep our goals small and achievable because human beings, human nature is to seek certainty. And most of us, we might have these big goals and dreams, but it's a lot safer to just keep doing what we've always been doing. Because most of us, we have a, a kind of a rear view mirror in our subconscious mind. We check the rear view to see what we're capable of. And you have to think about it. Every person on this planet that's achieved extraordinary results, when they check the rear view, there was nothing there, right? I mean, nobody was born, right? Michael Jordan wasn't born shooting jumpers, right? I mean, Elon Musk wasn't born making electric cars, right? They all had to step out on the faith they could do something they'd never done before. And so here's the idea that the real purpose of a goal is not to hit the goal. The real purpose of a goal is to develop the qualities and the characteristics of a goal achiever, of someone who can achieve bigger and better goals each and every time you set out. So when you realize that, okay, so if I set a real significant goal and I understand that if I don't hit the goal, but I give it everything I have and I'm more committed and I work harder and I'm more dedicated than I've ever been before toward any goal in my life, well then who you become on the journey to achieve that goal, the value in your development, in your growth, far exceeds whether or not you hit that individual goal. Because if you, let's say you, you, you give it everything you have and you actually fall short of the goal, right? You, you missed the goal. You were shooting for 100K in income for the year and you only made 80, right? But you literally had more discipline, more commitment, more consistency, right? The qualities that will enable you to achieve goals. You develop those at a level you never have before. And then you're like, yeah, I fell short of the goal, but I'm going to pivot. I'm going to adjust. I'm going to tweak. I know what I did wrong, but damn, I'm a different person than I was when the year started. And now I get to take this version of me into not only my goals for this year, but for the rest of my life. And if you keep duplicating that process, then every time you set these big grandiose goals that the rearview mirror has no evidence you can achieve, you're stepping out on faith, which is the first decision of the miracle equation, right? Well, now every goal you attempt, you could literally fail to achieve your next five goals. You could fall short of all five, but you are like, you are such at a different, you're at such a different level than you were when you set out. So the idea is some goals you hit, some goals you miss, but what matters more than any individual goal 
is developing the qualities and the characteristics that are beyond what you currently possess so that you become a more capable version of yourself every single time you approach and pursue a goal, whether you fall short, whether you exceed it, whether you hit it right on the nose, the end result is much less consequential. The goal is just a target to shoot for. So part of Hal's goal setting routine and as well as the miracle morning is that of affirmations. Again, he changes that entire thing, at least for me, in that book, uh, The Miracle Equation. And uh, so here's what he had to say about affirmations. Listen to this. It's very, very, very important distinction for me. Affirmations, probably at first, when somebody hears that word, I think it has the least credibility. People go, affirmations, oh, what, like saying, I'm happy, I'm rich, I, like you're just lying to yourself so you feel better. There's two problems with affirmations. Number one is that we've been taught to lie to ourselves and just say, I am, followed by something you aspire to be, but that you're not yet. And the problem with that is the truth will always prevail. So if you say, I am wealthy, I am wealthy, I am wealthy. If you're not wealthy, your subconscious goes, no, you're not. You're lying, right? And you're going, you're fighting with yourself going, no, shut up. I'm doing my affirmations, right? The second problem with affirmations is that we're taught to use this flowery passive language that makes us feel good in the moment, but doesn't produce measurable results. So I'll give you an example of a, a very popular affirmation that's very woo-woo that's been taught for I don't know, decades, centuries, I don't know how long, and you may have heard this one before, some variation, and it is, I am a money magnet. Oh, yeah. Money flows to me effortlessly and in abundance. Oh, yeah. And that's not actually how money works. Um, you actually have to do something to attract money into your life, right? You've got to put value into the world, add value into the marketplace, create value that then people will compensate you for. It doesn't happen like a magic money magnet because you made a vision board on your wall, right? Now, can those things aid in your focus or what? Sure, but you got to work your butt off to, right, to generate extraordinary results. It requires extraordinary effort. Another guy that's totally changed my life is Kyle Wilson, who I interviewed in episode 184. If you don't know who Kyle Wilson is, you're going to want to listen to the whole episode because it's a good one. Kyle Wilson essentially built Jim Rohn International. If you know Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, right, they were peers, and, and Kyle built up Jim Rohn International for 18 years. He basically took what Jim had to say, and it was an awesome message. He was a philosopher. He was a wide person, and he basically got it out into the world. He's a master marketer. In fact, he's one of my, uh, my mentors around marketing and business strategy, and now is a really good friend of mine. Just awesome. And we jammed about marketing, which we're starting to do a lot more of because as you start raising some money, your biggest problem is going to be how do I attract more investors? And those are a lot of those are, are people who don't you don't know right now. So we're going to talk a lot more about marketing in 2020. But in this particular episode, we really talked about marketing and what it means to build a brand and a platform. And I asked uh, Kyle here on the difference between marketing tactics versus principles. Here's what he has to say about that. Marketing is about tactics and principles. So tactics are constantly changing, right? Technology changes the tactics. So whether it's email, podcasts, social media, direct mail, events, just how you sequence everything, all those are tactics and tactics are important and they change. And I'm happy to say I was successful way before the internet. I, I was filling up rooms in an antiquated way. I was one of the top guys. And then I was filling up rooms after the internet. And then I sold all my companies in 2007, but I came back out three or four years ago and since then have put on some big events as well. So you're constantly having to shift. You're constantly having to say, what's new, what's now, what's next, right? But those are tactics. 
but on the other side are principles. And principles don't change. And principles basically are relationships. In fact, I would say number one principle of marketing is have a great product. You know, that's number one. If you have a great product that people then want to refer you and they become advocates, that's what I'm always in search of. I'm in search of people that have something that people want. It's like, okay, I can build with that. If someone has something no one wants, no, I can't help you, right? I'm not going to be able to bring value. You have to find something that people want. It's got to be a great product. Number two, great customer service. You got to take care of your people. Again, two companies, one, you know, Nordstrom's or these different companies, uh, Chewy, that people rave about, and then other companies that spend hundreds of millions of dollars on marketing, everyone hates because their customer service sucks. Well, same way with us, you know, down in the trenches, we have to have a great product, we have to have great customer service. Number three, you gotta be consistent. You know, I had like eight newsletters going at one time. I was also Dennis Waitley's agent, Jim Rohn's agent, Ron White, Chris Widener, I had your success store, I had Jim Rohn International, I had the Success and Training Network. And we were very consistent in how we put out information. So being consistent. And then number four, the most important, is being relational. And I always say never let a good tactic override a principle. So people come to me all the time with tactics. And I'll say no thank you because I don't want to be treated the way you're wanting to sell me on a tactic that you think works. Yes, it might work. How's that going to work out in the end? And I see people all the time churn through people. My goal is not to churn through people. And that's where we're going to get to the will in a minute, which is very different than funnels. You can probably tell from this uh, clip, uh, Kyle is a marketing genius. He's filled uh, entire ballrooms. He's put out DVDs and CDs, shipped out workbooks. He's done all kinds of things, radio shows. He's really a master marketer. And so if you're working on building a platform this year, and I know I've heard many of you saying that this is the year you're going to build that, that platform, that website, your podcast, your YouTube channel, whatever it is, you're going to need to understand some fundamentals. And Kyle was generous and shared with us the four must-have items on your website. What I want to see when I go to a website, in fact, there's four things I want to see at the top of the fold, if you don't mind me just jumping into that. I want, number one, a mystique. And that mystique needs to involve you. You know, I need to see a picture of you and something that somehow represents your personality and your brand and what makes you special. Number two, I want to see two to three to four different taglines of what you're really good at. And again, for me, I could have a lot of different taglines. You know, I've done Chicken Soup for the Entrepreneur Soul, Jim Rohn, Creative Products. So I have to pick two or three that I think will fit my avatar, right? So pick the two or three or four that's going to actually talk to your most focused avatar you're trying to reach, but they also need to represent your secret sauce. Number three, I want to see some social proof and testimonials, again, that are going to impress your uh, avatar. And number four, I want to opt in, a way for people to you know, opt into what you're doing. And mine, I'm, I'm proud of mine. And we're going to tell people at the end how they can go to my website. But you know, I'm proud of how mine looks. It's not just a simple little you know, opt-in. So you want to be creative. And here's the thing, Michael, you know, we live 24-7, uh, you know, uh, through social media and our website. Jeffrey Gittimer was at my Philly Inner Circle and Jeffrey said, Kyle, where do you live? And I said, well, you know where I live. I'm in, I'm in Texas. He goes, no, you're going to give out your address to people. I'm like, no. And he goes, okay, you live on your website. 
He said, your website needs to represent you, my friend. It is the 24-7 business card. And that's true for social media. So that's why your website's so important. And when I ask people, how do you feel about your website? Maybe 10% raise their hand that they feel good about it. So I'm, I'm kind of redirecting your question on secret sauce to say, find out what you're great at and make sure that's represented on your website. So again, if you're phenomenal with numbers, if you're the accountability person, if you're the detailed person, if you're the person people can trust, let your web website say that. If you're the deal finder, if you're the person that knows how to raise money, you know, if you have all these phenomenal relationships and social proof, or you've had a best-selling book, or you're doing events, or you have these cool pictures with Robert Kiyosaki or whatever, I do want to see that because that might make you different than what anyone else could put up there. Speaking of platforms, here's a guy who has done an incredible job of building his, the one, the only, Grant Cardone. Now, one consistent theme throughout these episodes is the idea of working for one's mission or purpose, not just for the money. Now, most people, when you think of Grant Cardone, you know, he's got the jet, he's got the Rolls Royce, it all is all about the money. But when I ask him about why he wakes up in the morning, his answer might surprise you. Now, here's the thing. I mean, you don't necessarily have to do anything that you're doing right now, right? So at this point, well, it may be about money, but it's not like another million is going to make a big impact on your lifestyle. So why do you get up every morning? Like, why do you keep driving? Because a hundred million will. <laughs> yeah. Because, I, yeah, I'm not, clearly a million dollars doesn't change anything. But, but you know, hundreds of millions does. So, so now the game is, I'm not playing a million dollar game anymore. That's why some of my contemporaries are a little upset with me right now, but because they want to drag me down. Because they want to drag me down. They want to drag me back down to playing the same game I've been playing. I did this interview recently, and this guy keeps asking me questions about. Like I'm like, dude, I'm I'm done with that game. Let's play a different game now. Like you keep asking me, what am I say when a guy says no to me? I'm like, I'm over that game, bro. I'm done. That was stupid. It was a dumb game to play. Like I'm re I'm ready to go do something big for my family and my name and my legacy and my church. And I want to change communities. And you can't do that with a million dollars. What do you think you want to do? Well, I want to, I want to, I want to live forever, dude. Yeah, yeah. All yeah. Right. And the way to live forever is to build hospitals. That's right. And schools. Yeah. And, and have investment vehicles for people that can't be destroyed, no matter what the economy does. I can literally live forever. Like if I could, if I could pay people for the next 100 years, I, I'd, I'd outlive my body by 100 years. So, so those are the kind of platforms that, that I'm interested in. My books, my books, that, those are awesome. I'll, I'll probably write a couple more books. My events don't last. You come to my event, they're over. My books can last forever. That's right. So hopefully I'll write a couple of books that, you know, last, that, that are still being read in the year 2100, if people are still reading or they're downloading or whatever. So that's one way, you know, that's what I want to do. But, but the, the real estate, the real estate that I'm buying will be around. Like literally, somebody's going to build something on top of it a hundred years from now. Yeah. And, uh, the, you know, the Ben Franklins and the Thomas and Edison's and the Walt Disney's and these guys, the, the Steve Jobs, these guys are going to live forever. It is possible to live forever. It, you have to produce something of value. Last but not least, and this is a great question to end episode 200, is when I ask Grant, hey, Grant, what does it mean to be rich? Here's what he had to say about that. You know, the other thing you said in that interview, and you guys didn't go down, but you, you, I think he asked you, 
you know, what does it mean to be rich? And your and you your response was well, with money or life or spirituality. And I thought that was very insightful. Like, what does it mean for you to be like rich? To, to, what does that mean to you? For me, I mean, it means it wouldn't be money, right? It would, it would, but but I mean, I'm interested in being wealthy more than rich. So so the money, there's the money conversation, right? Then, then there's the time conversation. Uh, then there's, whoa, does anybody love me? Because look, I know people that have tons of money. I mean, billions of dollars. Saw the guy's account, like, you know, 1.3 billion in cash, uh, another 3 billion in investments. He's got all the time in the world and nobody loves him. Like that, that, that can't be the game. What's the point? Yeah. And, 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 and no place to go, like nothing to do. There's no interest in life. Right. So like, so for me, it's okay. I need, I want money. I definitely want money. I want all kinds of money too. Not just one kind of money. Number two, I, I, I need people that love me. Three, I need a purpose. Because if you have health, money, and no purpose, then, then that's no good either. I do want to do things that I have fun at. So to me, rich would be, hey, I want it all. I, I got to have health. Yeah. And I also, in addition to all that, I need to be learning something. Like the, the idea of accomplished is such a misnomer. And I see this happen a lot with people in my space that, that speak on stages, influencers, leaders. The, the one common thing I see with people that are on stage is they quit learning. Hmm. Complacency? They become, they're the expert. They, they, and they buy into the identity. And, 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 I, and this has happened to me. Where, where I bought into, okay, I'm the expert now, right? And I quit being the student. Mm. Uh, that's, why, that's what I'm doing here this five days. I'm just a student for the next two or three days here. That's a great lesson from, you know, because you are accomplished, but, right? Yeah. And you, you, you enter this, this, this place of arrogance and complacency. And, and in fact, it's going to hold you back as oh, well. Totally, man. totally, because look, there's nothing more, there's nothing more expansive than learning. Like, learning like oh wow oh wow having that wow dude i got it what was i thinking right though those, those moments of like wonder hmm. of con uh, oh wow i could contribute at another level right you know, you, you, you know i look at a guy like bill gates okay B bill's not trying to sell another piece of software today he's trying to figure out why third world countries don't have toilets it, that's a big mission yeah so so yeah. now, now now even a smart guy's got to learn new things all right, there you have it. Episode 200 highlights from the six best podcast episodes of 2019. We got Ken McElroy, Robert Helms, Kyle Wilson, Robert Kiyosaki, Hal Elrod, and Grant Cardone. There you go. And if you haven't listened to those, make sure you go back and listen to those. And while you're at it, might as well binge listen to the whole thing. And just so you know, we're also putting this out on YouTube. So if you want to actually see Grant Cardone in action, you know, check it out on YouTube as well. It's also a better way for us to engage and uh, leave some comments. We're watching that as well. So here we go to the giveaway I have. Because I said really a thank you for all of you listeners. We're one of the top podcasts now in the investing space. 
And it wouldn't be without you, our listeners. We also have uh, about 400 reviews. And if you do love the show, I'd love to have you go and post a review on iTunes if you enjoy the show. But I want to say thank you for you. So I'm going to give you a free giveaway. We have a couple, a few prizes here. We're going to be giving away a whole bunch of copies of my best-selling book called Financial Freedom with Real Estate Investing. The Blueprint to Quitting Your Job with Real Estate Even Without Experience or Cash. It really encapsulates how you can do this without experience or cash, what the process looks like for, for closing. And that is all available on Amazon right now. We've sold over 9,000 copies in 18 months. It's been out. So if you haven't read it yet, we're going to award a whole bunch of these. And uh, the way you do it is go to themichaelblanc.com forward slash giveaway. So it's give away, all one word, spelled together, themichaelblanc.com forward slash giveaway. Just enter an email address and you're entered to win. I don't know how many books we're giving away, a whole bunch of them, right? But we also have a grand prize, which is a free copy of our flagship online course called The Ultimate Guide to Apartment Investing. And this is a $2,000 value. We've had hundreds of people buy this course and done their first deal and quit their jobs with that course. And we're going to give uh, a free grand prize away to the free for the grand prize winner. And that is our ultimate guide to apartment building investing. And that's all you got to do. Now, when you when you enter your email in, you can do a couple extra things to to win essentially additional you know additional entries. Uh, and there's a bunch of stuff on there. For example, if you subscribe to our YouTube channel and I make you jump through a few more hoots, you get a whole bunch of extra additional entries to increase your chances of winning. So check it out. Go to themichaelblank.com forward slash giveaway and enter to win. And again, it's just my way of giving back uh, to you guys as well. Really appreciate you listening. And I will catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Apartment Building Investing Podcast with Michael Block. For more free podcasts, articles, and videos, go to themichaelblanc.com. There, you can also download the free ebook, The Secret to Raising Money to Buy Your First Apartment Building. Till next time.